The Gospel of Luke tells us, as we heard, in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration, or census, when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. The Roman historian Suetonius tells us about this guy, Caesar Augustus. It's a, it sounds like a pagan gospel as we hear it, for the kingdom of Rome. This is what Suetonius says. He seized, Caesar seized the consulship in the 20th year of his age, quartering his legions in a threatening manner near the city and sending deputies to demand it from, to demand it for him in the name of the army. Next to the immortal gods, he paid the highest honors to the memory of those generals who had raised the Roman state from its low origin to the highest pitch of grandeur. He displayed munificence, to, that means he gave a bunch of money, to all ranks of the people on various occasions. Moreover, upon his bringing the treasure belonging to the kings of Egypt into the city in his Alexandrian triumph, he made money so plentiful, this should ring bells for us, he made money so plentiful that interest fell and the price of land rose considerably. We know about this. In the number, variety, and magnificence of his public spectacles, he surpassed all former example. It was the ambition of this emperor to reign in the hearts as well as over the persons of his subjects. The Roman Empire in the time of Augustus attained to a prodigious magnitude, growing hardly any addition under subsequent reigns. In short, this Caesar Augustus brought glory and imperial domination to the Roman people, and they liked it crushing every nation who withstood them. And as the Romans believed, they brought a better system. They brought better rule to those nations. They seemed to prefer, to prefer a, like a cultural poverty. What they really need is Roman civilization. Nations like the Jews. Well, this Roman glory, the light of civilization, it was something like the light of the moon. Metaphorically. It seemed to shine really brilliantly. It seemed to bring a light that men could see by. So like the, the light of a full moon on a really clear night, uh, it was bright enough to show up shadows. It seemed to be a guide. And Caesar Augustus, he aimed to bring the light of universal peace, Pax Romana, under his Roman foot. He would... He would force peace on the world. That was perhaps the best imitation of God's kingdom that the principalities and powers could come up with. They had heard the prophecies too. When prophecies come through human agents, we sometimes forget that those prophecies spoken by God are also heard by the principalities and powers for the first time. So like those Persian wise men, the Magi, the wise men we talked about, kids, they had been looking for a star. The principalities and powers had heard God tell about his timing as well through the prophet Daniel. So they set up a kingdom of men. 
They lent their power, their authority to a kingdom of men that caught and imitated the glory of God's kingdom, like the moon, with a light not of its own, reflecting the sun. So in a world that had fallen into darkness, nations that had fallen into decay, the light of Rome pretended to be a kind of hope to the world. This gets repeated through history. It's being repeated now. Empires and nations set themselves up to be a light to the world, to be the hope for the world. And that message, it surrounded, it saturated all the provinces of the empire, including Judea, including where the Jews were. So Rome would let each people do what it would, do what it wanted, provided submission was given to Rome. And the puppet king Herod, we know about from the scriptures, he echoed it. The massive temple that he built in Jerusalem, it made the same statement. Here is hope for the world. The ruling party of the Sadducees, they bought into it as well. They declared it. And so taxes were needed for this kingdom. Taxes to bring about the great plans, to bring about the projects, to raise the overall standard of living. And so a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the Roman world should be registered for taxes. That's why censuses are taken. All went to be enrolled, each to his own city. And while they were there, the time came for her to be delivered. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. We've all imagined this scene. It's a place of dirt and chill. Not only have we imagined it, all Christian people around the world have imagined it. And what echoes it's consistent across every nativity set. Whenever the birth is remembered is poverty. You can't escape the poverty of this birth. The smell of straw mingled with manure and goat and ox. And the pains of birth. Anticipation, fear, exhilaration, exhaustion. God Almighty, the infinite in human form, asleep in a feeding trough, while Mary there recovers and Joseph tries to comfort. The wonder of it is that the real light had come. The true light that enlightens every man was coming into the world. He was in the world. And the world was made through him, through his own hands. And yet the world did not know him. And the real kingdom of God had finally broken into the world of men again. Jesus the infant brought with him the essential power of life. Brought with him the power of life that gives life. God is a human baby. God is a human baby, united creation to himself. 
the infinite and uncreated united the created to himself. And as he did so, he opened the door for human beings to live forever. Flesh, created matter, became linked to him who is eternal. And so the enduring, perfect glory of God had come to earth. So while the Caesars announced their rule with parades and circuses and games, this rule from the heavenlies was announced by angels. In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And suddenly, a multitude of the heavenly host appears saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace to you on whom his favor rests. These are no weak, perishing trumpeters leading a parade soon to die themselves. The glory of this kingdom, the glory of this kingdom, this everlasting kingdom, required the glories of the heavenly throne room in order to announce the glory of God had come. And the peace of God was declared. And so God's peace showed the paleness, the thinness of Rome. Showed the hope as empty. So what happened? What happened there in the little stable in Bethlehem was like an eclipse. The meager moon positioned itself to try to smother out the light of the sun. We, many of us have seen eclipses. They seem to be occurring frequently these days. But the sun in eclipse, when the sun is eclipsed by the moon, it shows the moon for what it is, a rock, a bare rock with no light of its own. The moon attempting to cover the light of the sun gets shown up as weak. We live in an age of eclipse. That's, that's our time. The kingdom of man, governed, pushed along by the principalities and powers, aims to smother the kingdom of God. But Christ has come. Christ has come. The true light has come to us. And the truth cannot be hidden. No matter how close that smothering moon gets, the truth cannot be hidden. And so for anyone who will look, anyone who will earnestly seek, it's clear that everything the kingdoms of the earth offer, they are pale reflections of the kingdom that goes on and on in everlasting splendor. The most glorious things that we can conjure up, that our earthly kingdoms can produce, they're flimsy and fading compared with that which lasts forever and the glories of the heavenlies. And so when rulers most attempt to be like God, when kingdoms and cultures most attempt to hold the place of God, that's when they're most radically shown to be lifeless, and hopeless and dark. Just think for a second 
when rulers, when human rulers most vaunt themselves, most lift themselves up to be godlike, that's when we most see how ridiculous it is for a man to claim that kind of authority. And nowhere is the contrast more glaring than Caesar on parade and Christ in the manger. Caesar winning hearts by tossing coins, while Christ wins hearts by hanging on a cross. Could there be a greater contrast? Well, we live now in this half light of eclipse, but the full light will dawn. Today, there, there are certainly things in all of our lives that are attempting to smother out the light of God, that are attempting to eclipse the goodness and the kindness and the steadfast love of God, the love of God that is set on you. There are things that attempt to get in the way. But the full light will dawn. The light will dawn. This is temporary. The struggle that you are in right now, it's temporary. Every eclipse is temporary. And when the Lord of peace returns, he brings with him the full light of day. As the prophet says, night shall be no more. They need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God himself will be their light. Lord Jesus, we honor you now. We honor you for the wonder and strangeness of what you've done. As you left the throne in glory and came to take on yourself human flesh, came to be among us, to be one of us, to redeem us. We acknowledge that we would not, we could not have imagined it. We would not and could not have asked for it. So we thank you for your kindness and mercy and love this night. In Jesus' name.